1: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. TNA is the best wrestling in the whole world! Welcome
2: everybody to You've Got to Be Kidding Me, episode number 5, covering October 2002 in the history of TNA Wrestling. I'm Gary Kidney, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Liam Jones. Liam, how are you doing?
3: Hello, I'm here. Today was all over the place, as it can be at times. And um, before we get too heavy into the podcast, I wanted to take uh, a small opportunity to talk about one uh, one Jamal, a uh, real hero who we found uh, passed away today through um, the Twitter machine. And I uh, just wanted to talk you know a little briefly about Jamal and how he'll go down as one of the you know the least credited people in the Puro US expansion (laughs) despite being a a massive factor in it being one of the people that I first started uh, interacting with online in the wrestling media sphere we were all a part of the wrestling with words back in the day just another sad loss for the the internet wrestling community I guess and um yeah, I just wanted to talk about Jamal a little bit because um, I don't think we ever agreed on a single thing ever <laughs> in our online discussions. But uh was always uh, a fun person to talk to and someone that I wish I had have kept up with more after the the Wrestling With Words split. But um, yeah, I just wanted to give a little shout-out to Jamal because you know he is going to go down as having a, a, a wide and varied influence on P- Puro's reception in the US and the world, really. And that's so something that um might not get brought up or brought up to the extent that it should be,
2: you know? In the last year, we've lost so many pillars of, like, the wrestling community and, like, niches within the wrestling community as well because we lost Larry Zonka. Who reviewed literally everything? Mm. I I like I watch less wrestling now because I don't have Larry's reviews anymore. Mm. Uh, specifically, especially WWE because I don't know like the difference between what's a decent WWE match that's overhyped by WWE fans and what's an actual WWE TV match worth watching. Larry used to be my my my, my benchmark for that, and he's passed away. Like Casey Michael used to do more for women's wrestling in in the US than literally probably anybody else. It's,
3: it's funny how like it's become like on the onus of these super fans. To
2: really deliver it to that level, you know what I mean? Yeah, and as you mentioned, Jamal was probably the premier archivist in wrestling, not just pure. Like you mm. could probably just expand it to in wrestling. Maybe up there with the Monsoon Classic and uh, the Ditch. I, I didn't interact with him like on a personal level as much as you did, but the the loss that'll be felt by the, by the community is is the same as Larry Zonka, is the same as Casey Michaels. It just leaves a hole there,
3: and especially to this day too, because you know. Uh Jamal was uploading stuff fucking daily you know like to to this day still keeping up with um, pure uploads and you know uh I think that's gonna be uh, something that we're all gonna see an immediate response to uh with his unfortunate passing and um like even like re- like i think even like I was talking to him on Twitter about some Gleet shows <laughs> getting them uploaded and stuff, so it's uh yeah to this day still you know committed to it and. Just uploading an insane amount of footage for people, opening people's eyes to companies that never would have been seen ever, like, without him, you know what I mean? Outside of Japan, at the very least. And doing it all for free. Yeah.
2: Like, literally just out of the passion of it. There's probably some people who would be like, oh, I could take all this pure stuff and I can put it behind some kind of paywall and charge people for it and, you know, cackle and glee, but no, he just did it all for free so people could watch these shows.
3: Yeah, and I think, um you know, there's so probably some newer Puro fans out there now who um wouldn't have even known the absolute majesty and just the holy grail that was the Real Hero Archive for years. Like, something I would go to every day to download whatever new show had gone up. Uh, My first years off campus, after I moved off campus from university and I didn't have Wi-Fi for six months... I would go to university, uh, and after my classes, head down to the library and just download, like, 20 full shows that Jamal had uploaded over the week, just to get me through <laughs> going back home to no internet. So, just an absolute asset to the community, and someone's gonna be completely sorely. And just a good dude. And you can tell, like, the influence that he had, because so many wrestlers have come out and expressed their own stories and their own thanks to him for his work that he had done over these years for like absolutely no monetary value so yeah
2: and it was um it was chris hero that broke the news
3: yeah chris hero broke the news jonah rock made a wonderful post david boy smith jr yes yeah a lot i hope uh this is one of these names that um we can do our part as you know the 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 internet wrestling the IWC um, we can do our, our part for some good and you know keep the name out there and, and um, give the credit that is due well said mm.
2: now we gotta talk about some stupid TNA <laughs>
3: <laughs> just, yeah, just a quick uh, hop skip and a jump over to October of 2002 you know
2: Yes, indeed. So we are covering October two thousand two. Shout out, by the way, all uh, to our patreons, patrons, patrons, patrons. They're patrons. I, They're I say patrons.
3: patrons, but you have written patreons multiple times. so I don't know what the answer is.
2: So the answer is I'm wrong and stupid. Ah. So that, 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 that
3: I should have assumed.
2: Yeah, if you're like, "What's the deal? What's going on with this dude?" It's usually I'm wrong and stupid. So you can just assume that. <laughs> mm who subscribe to patreon.com slash kidding me we have more patrons than patriot patriot damn it i didn't Uh even last a minute patrons than we've ever had so thank you to everybody who's gone over there and subscribed for our our watch alongs our second show covering the 2020 monday night wars and so much more and our watch along of NWAT and apv number 19 is up now as we speak if you'd like to listen along to us watching that show before we cover it here it was a, a real fun one go listen to it before you listen to this. Or at the same time. That seems you. Can-
3: counterproductive.
2: Put one in the right ear, one in the left ear, and hope it works.
3: What about the actual show as well? Yeah. That's three audio channels hitting you at once.
2: I'm not sure how, you don't have three ears, so that might be more difficult.
3: Just find another hole. (laughs) I don't
2: advise advise eating earphones, but yes.
3: Oh yeah, you can eat it too, I guess.
2: So we are covering October 2002. As we mentioned last month, uh, TNA was deep in negotiations with Panda Energy to sell a majority interest in the company to Panda and get most of the debt off of Jeff and Jerry's back. It's still, the sale hasn't been closed in the month of October, but there has been drama through the month of October, Liam.
3: There's never been a month without drama.
2: Because, like, not much actually happens in terms of the deal. Like, most of the, the actual details were hammered out in September, and October is more just like, yeah, still going through the motions, dotting some T's, crossing some I's, as they say. In the world of business, which we which we are knowledgeable about. Well, you know about business. I do have a, a business degree and a master's degree in economics, so... I should know about business. Should know and do know are two different things.
3: Why aren't you a billionaire now?
2: Because I'm too busy doing things about TNA.
3: Why didn't we meet the 28-year-old who who invested in cryptocurrency?
2: And is now a billionaire. (laughs) And is
3: now a billionaire.
2: And it turns out... He invested his dad's money in cryptocurrency, and his dad is the inventor of cryptocurrency. (laughs) And his dad is a cryptocurrency. (laughs) Yes, he just got the cryptocurrency from his cryptocurrency father. Yeah,
3: the sentient cryptocurrency. Come back to destroy and rule us all.
2: Uh, I do love those articles.
3: I mean, they're tremendous. It's tremendous art.
2: It is. Like, to be fair, like, the new clickbait is not, like, a headline that you have to click to find out. The new clickbait is, Shrek is a bad movie and you're all stupid dum-dums for liking it. And then (laughs) everyone dunks at it. And there you go. You got more clicks than you'll ever get from writing, like, a good review of something.
3: That's also what, like, that's just what all these tweets are, too. It's just, like, heroes might tweet and it's like, oh, uh, fuck, I can't think of an example, but... Dante Martin is actually awful poo-poo bad, and (laughs) you are bad if you like his breakout match. And everyone's like, oh, oh, I gotta jump in and defend my takes.
2: People can't just let a shit take go across their timeline without dunking on it. It's it's physically impossible. You see it, and you cannot help but quote tweet it. I literally did that 23 minutes ago. (laughs) Oh, what was it? We must read it on air now.
3: Um, at Wrestling Shoot 2. Uh, with, uh-huh. with the logo in the AEW font that says Shit Elite Wrestling.
2: Oh, um, well, there you go.
3: This is only AEW is good at for the wrong reasons.
2: This Okay, that's a coherent sentence. Yes. Good start.
3: One, bad storylines with no build-up. Two, mm-hmm. boches. Three, <laughs> too focused on taking shots at WWE. Oh, Four, oh such dorks. signing XW talent when they said they won't. Five, burying talent. Six, <laughs> Who do they bury? Bad booking by the idiots, open bracket, EVP, close bracket. Uh, Seven, Tony Khan, hashtag AEW, hashtag wrestling. All of Tony, it's just all of Tony is bad. And then uh, a follow-up tweet which said, I could name so many more, this show is so sad and pathetic, this company ruins wrestling. Also, their pathetic, pathetic fans also ruins wrestling too. Hashtag AEW, hashtag wrestling, hashtag wrestling community, hashtag wrestling Twitter, hashtag AEW sucks, hashtag AEW suck. Hashtag.
2: <laughs> so this person has forty five Twitter followers. Can I read some of their responses to people? One sec. I want to know how you found this tweet first because uh, this tweet has
3: like two quote, two, quote, two quote tweets. Uh, you would would you believe that at Mongo underscore ebooks was dunking on them?
2: Ah, <laughs> uh, that makes more sense. Uh,
3: to which some of the, my favorite responses, which is like. Anything that has just incoherent grammar is just ch- just charm. Um, okay. Someone said, do you have anything that you haven't made up? To which they responded, <laughs> keep talking or just watching your shit AEW. Uh, someone said, eight Dave Meltzer. <laughs> to which they oh, said, God, yep, Dave. I forgot that idiot. I forgot about him because he is worthless. He means nothing to wrestling business. Also, his buddies also don't leave those other idiots too.
2: Also, his buddies also don't leave those other idiots too. Mm-hmm. I'm trying... Brian? Is he talking about Brian?
3: I guess. (laughs) Uh, There was another one that I can't find now. It might have been deleted, but it was really good.
2: Well, someone replied with a gif saying, You big mad? To which he replied, No one cares about you and your pathetic life. Take it or leave it. I have opinions on this shit company, and you have yours, so who cares? All caps, bro.
3: Those wrestlers who are released are just sore losers. They can't make the big leagues, just go to shit elite wrestling and get used bad and get used badly in pathetic storylines and also get buried, even look bad with botches. Well uh, Tony Khan is killing the wrestling business. Hashtag wrestling, hashtag wrestling community, hashtag wrestling twitter, hashtag AW suck. hashtag AW sucks. hashtag mark, hashtag idiot.
2: Like AEW has gotten into this person's head so much that they have set up a Twitter account. Entirely. 100 percent devoted to getting angry at AEW.
3: <laughs> I am here to have opinions on the company called SWE Shit Wrestling. That's not how that, that's not the right order. <laughs> Shit Elite Wrestling. AEW marks deal with it, you pre- your precious AEW sucks. Yes, I have a channel. This person tweets
2: literally every day. Mm. And has done so since February.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Entirely. Nothing else. All devoted to how much they hate AEW. It's a good bit, though.
3: Haha, AEW marks this? the idiot strike again. I don't care about you all end your pathetic life. You all need to understand to accept criticism. It's so
2: strange. It's like, why does this company get under these people's skin so much?
3: Like, why? Well, I think it's just because they all they've known for so long was WWE, so they built up some sort of like allegiance. AW marks just ruined wrestling, and that pathetic company condone their behavior from all the stupid fans they have. What a pack of low lives! And no surprise, idiots will strike again about
2: this tweet. Like, why? I get. Like, I understand why it happens because people define their personality by. ...the things they like... ...which is a thing you should not do... ...no matter how much you like something... ...it should never become your personality to like that thing... ...like for years of my life... ...I have watched TNA Wrestling... ...and supported TNA Wrestling... ...and for the vast majority of that... ...I have been able to say TNA Wrestling is pretty bad... Mm. ...because I am a normal human being... Who can, ...who can enjoy something... ...and root for something... ...without investing so much of my personality in something... ...that an attack on it is an attack on me... And that's what happened. Like, AEW's mere existence became an attack on WWE fans in a way that just sent them off the deep end. Mm. And you saw, like, it's the exact same stuff you saw with TNA TNA toward, like, the end of the Spike era. The TNA Asylum. No, the TNA Asylum was alright. The Asylum was mostly, like, the diehard fans who weren't absolute loons. Mm. But then you got Mecca, who, like, did go all the way off the deep end. You're just mad because they made a bunch of threads about you. (laughs) (laughs) they do hate me it's true but every bad news story about TNA was made up everyone was pushing an anti-TNA narrative and it wasn't just like the show was bad and it was getting cancelled by Spike so Mm. it was a bad year for TNA no everyone was pushing these narratives and making all this up and everyone was and like who was vindicated in that situation the diehard toxic fans or everybody else Mm. the diehard toxic fans are never vindicated
3: don't talk
2: bad about the thing I like (laughs) Because I see that as an attack on me. Stop it. Stop, like, stop investing your personality in these things. Just enjoy things. And if they're bad, go find new things to enjoy. But also, if someone
3: says it's bad and you disagree, just go, okay. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) Just saying I
2: like it is just as valid. (laughs) Just move on with your life. Like, what are you doing? Why do people do this? Why do you commit your entire life to a Twitter... And they're like... It'll be one thing, I understand why the AEW Botches account does it, because they get tons of traction. So That's what like, this is,
3: too. This is just, like, that but but it hasn't, like, gotten off the ground. Yeah. You're
2: just trying desperately, but you only have 45 followers, so you have it hasn't worked yet. It's like... Get over yourself.
3: The account I don't mind. <laughs> it's the, any of the 45 people who followed it that, I, <laughs> that I'm that i suspicious about. Hmm. Anyone who's like, oh, I need this on my feed every day.
2: We should go back to 2002, Liam, a time before there was Twitter. Before, before the internet wrestling community existed. I believe there was no internet in 2002, just in general, and we could live in our happy, blissful times talking about our Bruce matches. <sighs> I would like
3: to have seen the the Bruce discussion of 2002.
2: Would you have, though? I
3: assume everyone would have put him over as much as I have.
2: I can only imagine that the message board discussions about Bruce in 2002 were just as delicate and nuanced as the presentation of Bruce in 2002.
3: The the people on the ROH forums like, why is not Bruce been brought in yet? Bring in Bruce. CCW fans all rallying for Bruce to be brought in. Bruce should do a death man. Cage of Bruce.
2: GCW should bring Bruce in to wrestle in a cage. <laughs> yes. Big Bruce comeback.
3: What else has happened in 2002 of October?
2: Alright, so the, like, the big story in 2002, as we were mentioning before we got derailed by Twitter, the Pandas' deal was, was still humming along, and the big thing was some big internal conflict in TNA, because while the Panda deal was moving along, Vince Russo decided to try and get himself in the ear of the Carter family to try and oust Jerry Jarrett and put himself in charge.
3: I read that first line that's on the notes where it said that Jerry had sensed bad vibes, and I knew immediately <laughs> that it was Spencer. Russo. <laughs>
2: yeah, so the quote from October 2002 in Jerry's book is, I can't explain my feelings, but I sense bad vibes from Dixie tonight. Jeff fears that some of our staff are trying to improve their standing during this tra- tra- transition and maybe poisoning Dixie in an effort to enhance their standing. This always takes place during transitions in a company. I just hope Dixie does not fall victim if this is the case. And like, yeah, same thing. It's like, read that quote. It's like, oh, Russo, you conniving scum.
3: It's always Russo.
2: This business is like on the verge of going bust if this deal doesn't go through people will lose their jobs everything will fall apart if this deal doesn't go through and vince russo smells blood he senses an opportunity he's just like this moment of transition is a moment of weakness and i'm a strike with the carter family to bury jerry and push my agenda so i can do my kkk angles and i can do my making light of rape angles that we mentioned last week so he we can get all that Let's get in. the women baiting Oh, yeah, and all the misogyny and women beating and all the stuff that comes with Vince Russo's booking. He wants to get it all in at perhaps the expense of the... And, like, imagine if you're Panda. Imagine if you're, like, these business executives who work in the the energy industry and (laughs) don't understand pro wrestling. While you're doing this big deal to acquire a pro wrestling company, all you're getting is, like, backstabbing and conniving (laughs) and politicking from these goobers.
3: I like the idea that, um been through so just he was he just smelt blood in the water and he's like you know we're going through a real tough time right now but i can improve my standing here
2: (laughs) 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 it is typical it's like it worked that's the worst part it did seem to work that he got the ear of dixie and he got the ear of uh chris sobol who they were they were putting in charge of tna on the panda end and it just, he did seem to poison the well. He did seem to be like, oh, you know, if you look at how the company's been run so far, Jerry hasn't been doing a good job, has he? Oh, his creative ideas, oh, that sucks. So I can only imagine during the show, it's like Dixie, it's like, oh, that angle sucked, didn't it? Dixie, oh, that match did get over. What's happening here, Dixie?
3: He's just texting Dixie the whole time,
2: saying, oh, I didn't do this one, I did this one, though. Oh, that was Jerry's idea. Famously, I remember like reporting in like oh seven oh eight oh nine when people didn't understand TNA stories that it would always be explained. Oh, oh, Vince would explain them in depth to Dixie, and that's the reason she would never get mad at him for writing stories that nobody could possibly comprehend because he explained them to her, and I guess then they make sense. So like this, this is the thing. He's been laying the seeds for his relationship with Dixie right here, all the way back in two thousand two for the to do the same thing over and over again for another freaking ten years.
3: Problem like he's not even like. I don't know. I don't even find him to be, like, a charismatic dude, though. Like, but he has, like, all the hallmarks of one.
2: Yeah, he's like that sleazebag charisma guy who's... <laughs> like, like, even... Like, he still has disciples to this day, so you yeah. can't say he doesn't have any charisma.
3: Like, I... I like, I, well, I, I can.
2: <laughs> well, you can.
3: I can 100% say that. I did. Like, I get... Like, I get Cornet right? Like, mm-hmm. Cornet clearly has, like, the gift of the gap. You know what I mean? But it's like, I just don't understand.
2: Listen, he seems to get in people's ear and they seem to stick with him long past the point which they ever should.
3: He must be like good at splicing business stuff as well. That's the only way I can think of it is like he has like a decent business knowledge as well as like just a confidence in his writing.
2: I think he's just good at sabotaging other people.
3: <laughs> just a professional backstabber.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't even think he's probably good at like hyping himself up as he is good at tearing other people down. <laughs> That's what you want, though, isn't it? Yeah, so, so, like, he's he's good here at not being, like, my creative vision is the only creative vision. He's good here at being like, oh, this Jerry guy, doesn't he suck?
3: Now let me tell you about this wonderful Brian Lawler story I have planned.
2: Because, like, Dave Meltzer makes a very good point at one stage in the Wrestling over this month where he talks about how if you're Panda and you're simply looking at Vince Russo's, like, press clippings and Vince Russo's whatever the equivalent of Wikipedia pages at the time, you see... A guy who wrote for the WWF during its biggest period, you see a guy who wrote for WCW, you see a guy who's like, oh, this guy was a creative force in the two biggest wrestling companies that existed in the last 20 years. So if you're Panda, who knows nothing, you're like, well, you know, this Vince Russo guy might know what he's talking about. And if you're a wrestling fan, you're like, no, no, he doesn't. Just get one guy in there going, no, no. It goes most of the month where Jerry is like, hmm, it seems like the panda people are souring on me and I can't quite tell why. Hmm. (laughs) Poor Jerry. It goes all the way to an October 24th meeting where the shit kind of hits the fan where everybody just starts burying the shows on a conference call that has Chris Sabal and Dixie Carter on it. And Jerry is not best pleased that he basically finds out that everyone in the room hates him. Everybody has been working behind the scenes to kind of sabotage him and, and align with Vince Russo. And the worst part of it is it seems like Jeff has been too.
3: Yeah, what the fuck,
2: Jeff? Cause, because there there's notes in the press that, that Jeff is trying to, like, stay above it and stay out of it in a way that's kind of like, actually, I'm secretly backing Russo here. What a dick. Being like, I don't want to intervene in this backstabbing, so I will simply let it continue to happen. I will be um, complacent in the backstabbing of my father. Poor guy. So, yeah, it reached a stage where he's he's borderline issued an ultimatum where he wanted out of the company, didn't want to write the shows anymore. And he figured people would be loyal to him. People like six box, we have like uh, Scott Hall, Kurt Hennig, and Mike Denae probably wouldn't stay if he was forced out. And he wasn't by the end of October yet, anyway. So they had not come to that yet. But the entire month is literally a power struggle that did spill over into the public. Like once that October twenty fourth meeting went down, where like the the Vince Russo's intentions kind of became clear, uh, that immediately became public <laughs> and spilled out. <laughs> But they told
3: everyone so nicely not to leak things.
2: <laughs> yeah, but then Jerry got backstabbed and started leaking things himself. Yeah. You know what my absolute favourite thing actually is? Because mm. the the way I research this podcast is I, I go through all the shows, uh, outline what happened, then go through PW Torch for the era, go through Wrestling Observer for the era, and then go through Jerry's book for the era. And my absolute favourite thing is, like... Because I read Torch first and then read Jerry's book last. So often is there, like, direct quotes from Jerry's book that were just in the <laughs> Torch. <laughs> I wonder who could possibly be leaking things. I wonder who told Wade Keller that. <laughs> could possibly be Jerry.
3: I, I respect Jerry a lot coming out of this. I just, like, his his whole... Well, first of all, he's complete and utter dismissal and distaste for Vince Russo, which is always going to appeal to me. And be like his idea of like, let's just do wrestling.
2: He might have some bad ideas, but his ideas are rooted in doing wrestling. Mm. Oh dear. So yeah, that power struggle played out most of the month as Vince Russo tried to ingratiate himself with the Carters, and as Jerry Jarrett desperately tried to cling onto to the company which he poured a ton of money into and-, <laughs> and is trying to keep open. No good deed goes unpunished. It doesn't, especially when your son sides with the goober who has terrible creative ideas. <laughs>
3: Damn it, Jeff. What
2: the fuck? <laughs> yeah, really? Like, like, really? Like, Jeff is like, I want to start a wrestling company, Dad. And Dad, his dad is like, all right, I'll, I'll put help. my money in. Yeah, and then Jeff goes and does this to him. Can't trust your kids, obviously. No, you really can't. And that's what happens when you become business partners with people you, like our family members with because realistically those relationships are not relationships we choose but relationships that are foisted upon us by uh, the freaking DNA. So the DNA of TNA. Hey, that's not for another four years.
3: I wonder what? if um, this led to like any sort of a strenuous relationship between the Jarrets. Oh, it
2: did. They, they, they like they famously fell out after the, like the foundation. Yeah, they didn't talk for years and years and years after all this. Eventually, like washed itself out. I wish they still didn't. <laughs> I wish they just never got over it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they did reconnect and they like they are at the very least on talking terms. But yeah, coming out of all of this, like I, Jerry, pretty understandably felt pretty betrayed by his son. I would too. Not for like. Backstabbing me and kicking me out of the company,
3: but for siding with Vince Russo on anything ever.
2: Yeah, it's, it, it would be one thing if you have sided with somebody who was at least good, but like, mm. you chose Vince Russo mm. over me? Ugh, it's worse than death. There's an interesting uh, note, PW Torch. A Time Warner source insists that Jerry Jarrett had a conversation with Brad Siegel regarding a possible television deal for TNA, but Siegel was against the idea. <laughs> Siegel famously the person who basically killed WCW by cancelling it. So they, they were trying to get themselves onto TBS or TNT, and Brad Siegel was like... No. (laughs) No, thank you. Now, to be fair, uh, and another major note for the motherly, um, Hermie Sadler, of course, your favorite person in TNA, Hermie Sadler, he was racing the NWA TNA-sponsored car in a race that was carried on TNT, so they did get on TNT via Hermie Sadler. (laughs) No. You seem very enthusiastic about the prospect of talking about Hermie Sadler's racing career. I don't
3: want to talk about Hermie Sadler,
2: ever. A note later in the month, despite finishing the time trials, the TNA sponsored car driven by Hermie Sadler did not finish the October second race. The car Could. is said to be completely new, and those who know NASCAR say it's rare that a new car performs well in its first actual race. Apparently, I didn't know you had to break in a car, but according to the, the NASCAR Makes expert, sense. we should we should ask John Sidor whether this this NASCAR wisdom is right mm. that you have to break in a NASCAR car.
3: Yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we should. Yeah, yeah, and we should also ask about the career of one Hermie Sadler.
2: In that he was a a successful rookie in, like, 92 or something, and then never really achieved anything in his entire NASCAR career. Seems about right. There's a a quote in Jerry's book as well, where he's like, I sat down on Saturday to watch the NASCAR race, but I did not see the TNA car, because Hermie did not do good enough. (laughs) Which was referenced on TV, too. Hermie had said that the TV executives were willing to play the wrestling clip, but then he was like, I guess because Hermie was nowhere near doing well, they didn't bother. (laughs) This was the month where the, the Panda News did actually leak out publicly in the middle of the month, so everyone knew that it was Panda that was negotiating with TNA, or that wasn't the case in September. They managed to keep that quiet, at least until the middle of October. Sorry, I'm just reading the Don Harris Nazi stuff. Oh, the, I put this in because it's amazing that you see this every time yeah. people do this horrible is, bad this is things. the
3: same defense you see on like, every Twitter from someone who knows someone.
2: So, from the PW Torch, Defenders of Don Harris who was criticized for wearing a well-known Nazi symbol on a t-shirt he wore on NWTN and a pay-per-view several weeks ago, <sighs> is that he is a genuinely good guy who does not express race views in his everyday life. <laughs> his defenders say that he wore it as a biker rebellion symbol, without considering the implications of what the symbol meant, and what the symbol means to many white supremacist organizations.
3: Did he consider that those uh, implications of the
2: symbols when he got it tattooed on his skin? You do see it every time there's somebody who does something horrible and racist. It's like, oh, you know, he's a nice guy. He never says anything racist to me. <laughs> he just has the Nazi symbol on his t-shirt.
3: That's
2: like from the same people
3: who are like, oh, you know, you can have different views and still be friends. <laughs> Not when it comes to that. Not when it comes to
2: literal Nazism. That's a, that's always a thing. Because, like, that used to be a thing people rolled out when it's like, you disagreed about fiscal policy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You disagree about the role of the government and it's right to an extent. <laughs> yeah, then you're like, "Oh, you know, if you agree about the the correct monetary policy, it's okay to disagree about that and get along. It's not okay to disagree about denying people's right to exist and then getting along. You can disagree
3: about which AJ Styles Loki match you liked more. <laughs> <laughs> but people's fundamental rights to live. Nah. That's not something we can just be pals and agree to disagree on. That's, I've always hated that defense because it's like, well, everyone's going to have their, their thresholds. That once they're reached, then the answer is just no.
2: So, yep, yeah. you don't ask. Ac- you don't just. Ac- I have never in my life, Liam, never in my life. I'm 29 years old. I've never accidentally worn a Nazi symbol. <laughs> like it just, just it doesn't happen. You don't accidentally wear Nazi symbols. Mm. You know, yeah.
3: sometimes you, you, you're you going out, you know, you have a marker, and, oh, no, I accidentally drew some funny symbols on my shirt. Oh, it turns out it was a swastika. You know that fun <laughs> scenario that always happens and plays out that way?
2: And definitely is well-intentioned, and the person who does so is a genuinely good guy who does not express racist views, quote.
3: Mm, it's just the Buddhist symbol. <laughs> how could you? How could you get it misinterpreted?
2: As uh, the the year went on, uh, as the panda as the month went on, even as the panda deal continued to go, to go through toward completion, uh, Jerry Lynn and AJ Styles signed 26 day contracts with TNA,
3: and they they also signed 26 day contracts to have 26 separate matches against each other.
2: No, oh, how dare you! There's one next week as well, so you won't be getting away from these AJ Lynn matches. So we'll be talking about AJ and Jerry Lynn matches next uh, for in the episode in two weeks as well. But if you remember when they signed their original 26-day contract, that was meant to cover a year because the idea was that they would tape two shows at once. But because they're doing shows live now, a 26-day contract will only cover six months. So they had to renew them. It would be funny if AJ and Jerry left. <laughs> and uh, Ron? Uh, yeah, Ron had not yet signed the deal, but I uh, imagine we know history. He stays. So I imagine he did sign the deal.
3: Mm, I don't know. Maybe.
2: <laughs> he has end up being a champion. He <laughs> should <just> leave. <laughs> it is kind of amazing that like, if this were 2021... And AJ Styles and Jerry Lynn's deals came due after 26 weeks. Somebody would have signed them. Like they would not have stayed. Yeah, it's kind of amazing that they could just offer these 26 deals to people like Jerry Lynn and particularly people like AJ Styles, and that AJ like WWE aren't all over them the second those deals are up. It's a different time. It so is. It's bizarre. And the only other note that uh, we mentioned this last month, whether it was covered this month that uh, Explosion has launched. So they have a weekly TV show on Urban America Network, which is a, a not particularly big station but hey syndication where explosion was on tuesdays at ten thirty. explosion was hosted by jerry Borash and bert prentice who actually passed away a couple of weeks ago so rest in peace bert who had a very big role in the early days of tna we mentioned a couple of times he would have been a local nashville promoter who would have helped tna promote these shows help set up these shows and if you remember when we were talking about that show that harris and storm were discovered on that was a Bert prentice show so hmm uh, rest in peace, Bert. But yeah, Explosion was up and running. It would uh, host most of the dark matches and some highlights from it, uh, the pay-per-views every week. Desperately want to watch them. Someday, someday they'll be unearthed, maybe, perhaps. Uh, another interesting you know, they did a silent auction through the month toward the DC Sniper capture fund the dc sniper attacks also known as
3: the beltway sniper attacks were a series of coordinated shootings that occurred during three weeks in october of 2002 in the district of columbia maryland and virginia 10 people were killed and three others were critically wounded in the baltimore washington metropolitan area and alongside interstate 95 in virginia
2: uh sniper attacks are kind of particularly terrifying when you think about them
3: <laughs> i think i've heard of these were these the dudes that were like in the back of their car
2: Yeah, who were shooting, like, with a sniper rifle out the back of their car.
3: I've seen, like, some, you know, cinema retelling of it or whatever.
2: Did you see the episode of Criminal Minds that was basically a DC sniper episode? Maybe that was it. Because, yeah, there is an episode of Criminal Minds that is just entirely people shooting sniper rifles out the back of a car. And this, that was in, like, I think 2003. It's like, guys, it's a little raw. Yeah, don't... <laughs> like, you don't have to make TV shows about it yet. So, yeah, TNA were raising money for a silent auction uh, toward an autism charity. There was another charity as well. and Partially toward the DC Sniper Capture Fund. So, yeah, the DC Sniper was captured, so I can only assume um, it was the TNA fund that did it.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's one for the good guys, you know. I wish that Dixie Carter came out on to NWA TNA pay-per-view 17 and was like, we have compromised to a permanent end. <laughs> <The DC's...
2: laughs> uh, we talked to the, the, the freaking watch along about how TNA's untold influence, the, the TNA did everything first. That would be certainly something for <laughs> TNA to do first. Yeah. That's one of the best moments in WWE history. Just standing on the table. Ladies and gentlemen remember when the rock broke that news on twitter did he (laughs) yeah he sent a tweet like a couple hours before it was actually public information that was just like (laughs) just heard news that will shock america home of the brave land of the free uh blahdy blah he didn't actually say like we compromised he he teased it like the rock teased it on twitter before obama announced it
3: i love this country home of the brave land of the free
2: so there we go, that's the main news from October 2002. You got the DC Sniper Fund, and you get Vince Russo trying to boot Jerry out of his own company and steal power. Yeah. The two most important themes you could possibly have in a month of TNA.
3: <laughs> Jerry should have tried to raise his funds to open up TNA 2.
2: <laughs> Already, in 2002, he's launching TNA 2.
3: Yeah. TNA V2, make it feel like it's uh, TNA 1's old hat. This is the new TNA version 2.
2: It's like, it's frickin' All Japan and New, New Japan.
3: It's the TNA split in 2002. Hmm. God, I wish there was a TNA split in 2002 with a big a big TNA
2: walkout. The the All Japan-Noah split. Jerry goes and opens Global Force Wrestling. Forever changing history and removing Global Force Gold. And no, he'd definitely have Global... Global Force Gold would be his weekly TV. Hey, that would be... It's not a terrible TV mm. show name.
3: Because you know how there's like these rumours of Global Force coming back? Mm-hmm. I, I desperately want their TV to be called Global Force Gold now.
2: <laughs> you don't think they'll use the Amped name still?
3: I hope they don't use anything about what they used to have, because it all looked awful. To be fair, they had anesthetic.
2: Mm-hmm. Green. <laughs> they had anesthetic, for sure. It was the colour green.
3: Remember that cool Impact logo that had, like, the the octagon? The,
2: it was a hexagon. hexagon. There were six sides.
3: Yeah, had the hexagon on it. It's
2: a cool logo. The Impact logo is that hexagons dotting the eyes and the wow. exclamation point. I never knew if that. you never noticed that. Yeah, if you look at, you see the, the dots of the eye and the exclamation point. So
3: NWA TNA pay-per-view 15 happened on October 2nd, 2002 at the TNA Asylum.
2: <laughs> Liam definitely wants us to pivot. I was going to say, yeah, before we go into this, this is five shows, so... <laughs> so we'll do a little format change that instead of going through each and every match on each and every show... I, I figure we'll talk more broadly about the big things that happened, like, well, the, the broader stories that ran through these shows, instead of being like, hey, Liam, how did you feel about that Ron Harris against Norman Smiley match?
3: I have thoughts, but sure.
2: So we will start with the tag team division, in which it was really, it was the month of AMW.
3: Yeah, this is the month where it really felt like these guys
2: put it together and
3: became a fully functioning tag team.
2: And they did, in fact, by the end of the month, by October 30th, they were AMW. They were not just Chris Harris and James Storm; they were America's Most Wanted,
3: which I think is a a cool bow on this this month being that the month that they come together. You know, that they end it with um, what's the finish called? Death sentence. Death sentence. Yeah, like they they really wrapped it up all together perfectly. So, if you
2: were to do your uh, AMW watch along project, you start in October of 2002, maybe. Uh, and it must be noted, uh, Bobby Eaton, of course, passed away. That the death sentence was a move they used, wasn't it? Oh, because it's the Alabama Jam. Because AMW were uh, the, the Southern tag team, like throwback, without being pretentious about it. You know, they, they weren't like we're going to constantly talk about where, how we're a tag team, how how they used to be. They just joined up and did it.
3: Mm. It also helped that, like, you know, the teams that they were in there with weren't that at all. Mm. So it helped them stand out. Plus, they had like. They were dynamic enough to stand out. Still,
2: yeah, because this was a weird month where they they had a title match literally every week. All, all the five weeks they had a title match. The first one was against Ron Harris and your pal Liam Ashley Hudson. Well,
3: why is he my pal?
2: He's Australian. Please speak about your representation. I've I've yet to be represented at all in the entirety of TNA history. I don't think there's been a single. No, the Harris wrestler. brothers have been on. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> 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 there has not been an Irish person yet, oh, you meant like that kind of heritage, okay. How do you feel about that kind of art, uh, representation in t
3: n a Liam I don't know man he he had a boomerang he did a beer mm hmm and the flag yeah and a and an a so he's basically my dad.
2: So he he did a dark match on September 26th and got this spot as Ron Harris' tag team partner and the story of Ron Harris not being able to keep tag team partners. He's a long time Memphis guy. Uh, they lost. So there you go. And then he got beat up right after. Yeah, which is the TNA trademark of, well, to be fair, you might also lose and get beat up constantly. Mm.
3: Everyone? Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> so yeah, AMW went through the month, they defended the title against Harris and Hudson, they defended the title against the Maximos, in which I Banger. think was the best, their best match of the month. That match ruled. Yeah. So much fun. Uh, defended against the the Chris and Rick Michaels, which I think was actually a super underrated little match. Yeah, I I like the Michael Michaels. Chris and Rick Michaels are such like two thousand two wrestlers. Look at their gear;
3: it's great.
2: But even even like the way they're built, like physically, yeah, they're just wrestlers you do not see in twenty twenty one. They look like two Larry D's. They do. They do look like the, the, the precursor to Larry D. <laughs> they also defended against the Hotshots and then against the Hotshots and the Michaels. It's a nice little month where they had a bunch of like really good title matches, as you said, like the Maximus one was so good. Watch that Maximus match.
3: I was just gonna say, like, this also felt like the first month that the tag division felt like its own central division and not just a story device for a feud.
2: It's interesting that they still don't really have a tag division, you know? The, the defenses this month are against Harrison Hudson, who aren't a team. The Maximals, who spend more time as ex-guys than they do as tag guys, really. They wrestle each other as much as they wrestle as a team.
3: Especially at this point.
2: And then you get the Hot Shots and the Michaels, who are guys who just don't stick around. So, like, they're, they're still working it out. They're still building a division. But, you know, you get a good month of title defenses. AMW still unbeaten. AMW winning five title matches in a row is the kind of thing that should help. And then... We didn't even mention the they end the a m w month with like a kick ass angle reintroducing the new church, yeah which like was a great
3: uh reintroduction for them too made them seem like real badasses
2: yeah because the the october 23 and october 16 shows ended with a teaser that evil is coming evil is returning to tna and then october 30th after amw retaining as the hot shots and the michaels uh james mitchell returns with his revamped new church which is brian lee and slash which mm. is i think the version of the new church which is far and away the best no offense to malice
3: oh that sound like some malice disrespect
2: but still, the, the the team of Slash and Brian Lee is like the divining era of the new church, and they had this just great, great return, where like Brian Lee slams James Storm off the stage. Who does not want to take it at all. Yeah, he eats shit, he just like takes this weird turning bump that looks like he dies, he disappears into Doesn't nothing. Doesn't get up
3: for it at all, so it looks real like, painful. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and then a Slash hits a dive out of the stands through a table onto Chris Harris, and they're taken out And evil reigns, and James Storms cuts up his usual promo about how the world is ending, and there's no love and goodness in the world, there's only evil... And the new church are back. What a great what a great reintroduction for the new church. Hmm. It's a good month for the tag
3: division. Good month for all of the divisions, really. Before we move off, I just want to, you know, one last mention that how appropriate it is, you know, for the Ashley Hudge and Ron Harris team to be on here when it's just so representative of us as a team as well, you know, long-haired Australian and... Uh, I have
2: hair! Uh,
3: uh, bold Nazi, but, uh, you know... <laughs>
2: it's definitely the hair bit you were pointing out, didn't mm. there? Not the, yeah, yeah, not yeah. Ron Harris did have a story running through the month where he would team with Siaki as well and fail to form a team, and then eventually they just team with the Harris- like, the, the idea here is, like, the Harris brothers are not teaming, but then they eventually team. Like that That's the story. There was also another
3: PW Torch uh, story at this time, where it came out, um, Defenders of Garrett Kidney, who expressed- he was <laughs> criticized for wearing a well-known Nazi symbol on <laughs> a You never said anything racist to me! <laughs> His defenders say that he wore it as a biker rebellion symbol without considering the implications of what the symbol meant. I do not approve of being cast as a Nazi. You asked me to come up with some new bits? <laughs> oh,
2: no. Garrett as a Nazi is not a
3: bit I like. You're right. Garrett is a Nazi is not a bit. Oh, no. I'm
2: being taken out of context. Oh, God. From one division that was really successful to another one in the X division... Yeah, there was a ton of X-Division stuff this month, an absolute ton of it. More ladder matches than you could ever possibly want in your life. I never want to see another one. Because AJ Styles defeated Jerry Lynn in a ladder match that... This was the point at which I was both sick of ladder matches and sick of AJ Styles and Jerry Lynn matches. Yeah. (laughs) Because these guys, to their credit, worked so hard. Like, they worked so hard, and I did not care. Well,
3: that's, that's the problem with, like, repeated Jerry Lynn matchup with the same matchup with Jalen as well because he doesn't change things up a lot he's really good at doing his match but if he has the same opponent over and over again it's a very similar match each time
2: and it's interesting, after this October 2nd show that had that ladder match, there's a note in Cherry's book, which actually, again, I mentioned the things that are quoted directly in the right PW Torch. This quote was basically in the Torch as well. <laughs> the X Division is already wearing thin. Unless we can develop storylines and characters within the division, the fans will grow tired of the spot fest. After you have seen the great athletic moves a dozen times, the wow factor gets old, which I, I disagree with. I was going
3: to say, I don't think I necessarily agree with that either.
2: I think you should stop doing the same match and stop doing ladder matches.
3: Which, to be fair, they do. They do um, incorporate some new match types throughout this month.
2: Yeah, they do the weird Iron Man match, which is thoroughly not successful, that Iron Man match. I liked it. It was A-Steel against Loki against Tony Mameluke against Kid Cash in a 15-minute Iron match in which A-Steel won 2 one but A-Steel got that pin after the 15 minutes was up. Big A Steel Month, too. It is a very big A Steel Month. But I, I was going to mention that, like, that AJ Styles Loki match where they worked so hard, they did, like, everything you could possibly expect out of them. Or AJ Styles Jerry Lynn match, even. They did everything you could possibly hope for them, and it just, it just, no, just wasn't interesting.
3: The AJ Six Pack stuff from
2: this month I thought was a lot more successful. Especially because, like, you watch Six Pack on these shows, and you are just like, oh, he's the best wrestler on these shows. Yeah. Like,. By far, he's better than Jerry Lynn. He's better it's, it's, than AJ.
3: Timo styles.
2: I, I think he's a better... Like, it's because it's 2000 AJ and AJ's a lot more raw these days. But I think he's just a better wrestler than AJ. Like, everything he does looks good. Like, it's just those things where it's like he does those spin kicks and he does dives and like every move... Except he tries to do a... An X factor on Brian Lawler on one of these shows, and Brian Lawler couldn't even take an X factor. But other than that, don't I don't want to s- anything bad mouthing Brian Lawler on these shows. I, I've I've I'm a, I'm a Brian Lawler stand now. We are in the X division at the moment. You wait till talk about <laughs> Brian Lawler. <laughs> if I have to, because there was a ladder match at the end of NWA paper number sixteen, October ninth, where I felt so bad for the people in this match. <laughs> Where you get the Maximos, you get Loki, you get AJ Styles, you get um, Ace Steel and you get Tony Mameluke. Just tearing the house down. And like, I don't think this was like an all time great ladder match. There have been better constructed ladder matches than this. There have been ladder matches that are, are better put together than this. I don't think there has been a more chaotic ladder match in the history of wrestling than this ladder match.
3: I thought all the Maximo stuff was really neat because they did some really unique stuff. But honestly, for the most part, and this could have been a victim of me watching five of these shows in one day. You shouldn't do that next time, please. <laughs> but um, I was, like, eyes glazed over watching this, just seeing bodies move and crash into things and being like, yep, sure. But that, that
2: was literally all this match was. It was like, let's do some just nasty disgusting looking bump over and over again for like 15 minutes like there was a spot where AJ and the Maximo were both on the ladder and like the Maximo scaled the side of the ladder and then AJ knocked the ladder off to fall on one of the Maximos and it's just like good lord why have you done this there was like some one that
3: I really loved where it was like each Maximo was squished in between a pair of ladders in the corner oh yes and then like got power bombed into the last one (laughs)
2: they made a maximal ladder sandwich mm. there was a, a spanish fly off a ladder it was like this match go back and watch it if you if you felt like you were like too drowsy to actually process it because mm. it's as i said it's not like this really well put together ladder match it's not like this great piece of wrestling it's just utter chaos in a way that is entirely watchable that's the goddamn x division right there but yeah these guys killed themselves did did stick his ladder bombs and then Shawarma just walked out and won the X title yeah, like an <laughs> asshole, and the, like ah that goes to the whole like
3: you know theme of last month as well. But I hate this this non specified heels face tweener shit. It's so annoying. It's impossible to get behind anyone on these shows because no one sticks to any no one sticks to anything.
2: I'm trying to think: is there a single likable character in the month of October? <laughs> Bruce. But Bruce isn't meant to be likable, so he can't count. I count
3: Bruce. Um... Like, uh,
2: is there a single character on any of these shows who is meant to be likable and is then thus likable? Brian Lola. He's not meant to be likable. Damn
3: it, uh, Mike Tanay.
2: <laughs> yeah, Mike Tanay is likable. AMW. No, AMW are likable. Yeah, we'll give AM... We'll give it to AMW this month. They're the only one that get it over yeah in that aspect. Red. Oh yeah, Red's another good one. Red is just the purest baby face you can get ever, ever get in your life. So there are some. But they're few and far between on these shows. I'm sure you would say Ron and Don Harris. Stop it. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> what,
3: what, what? I'm just repeating the things that you told me off mic. Uh, I didn't know you didn't want your Ron and Don Harris uh, positive thoughts out here for some reason.
2: You were the one that was like, you know what? I actually like them. It's a shame they're Nazis. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa. You said that on air. You said that on the podcast.
3: Um, no, I didn't. I guess people will have to go buy the highest tier of our Patreon to find out if I did or did not say that. God
2: damn it. Patreon.com starts kidding me to find out if Liam's a Nazi. <laughs> That's the highest reward tier. Are we a Nazi? It's just yes or no. You just get a <laughs> yes or no email. So yeah, X Division, Sean Moffman won the X Division title from AJ and then lost it.
3: He had a busy month. He won it. He lost it. He stole Brian Lawler's girlfriend. He bragged about it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, sorry, he won it from Jerry Lynn, technically. Lynn was the champion in that ladder match, even though he wasn't in the match, because Sonny Siaki injured him, which is another field we'll talk about in a minute. Do we have to? They produced some boring matches. But yeah, Stars and Lynn, good matches. Or Stars and and Waltman, good matches. Well, yes. (laughs) Yes to both. (laughs) Why do you sound so upset about them having good matches?
3: Oh, because the, the Lynn Stars ones got very boring towards the end.
2: Yeah, um, and you have another one at the start of November. So Hey, maybe it's fun. the
3: best one. Who knows?
2: I, I think, it, it I, if memory serves, I think it is the best one. Or at least I've, one of the best ones. I said that because I had, I had already received word that it was. So we will cover that in two weeks. You'll have to wait to find out. Other X-Division stuff, as we mentioned, there was a big Sonny Siaki against Jerry Lynn feud through the Unfortunately. month. Sonny uh, Siaki Sunny is all over these shows. And I like Sonny Siaki, but there is too much Sonny Siaki on these shows. I like him better just cutting promos. And I think it's, it's a problem with the pacing of a lot of these shows, where it's just like, Ron Killings will come out in an opening promo, then Ron Killings will have a match against Loki, then Ron Killings will come out for a ball, brawl at the end of the show. Sonny Siaki will do a pre-tape backstage. Sonny Siaki will injure Jerry Lynn's leg. Sonny Siaki will then have a match against David Oh, you're cutting Young. a promo as if you were Sonny Siaki right now. Um, Sonny Siaki.
3: <laughs> Sonny Siaki will injure Jerry Lynn's leg.
2: Yeah, he does speak in the third person, but and the same thing. Sean Waltman will have a promo early in the show. Sean Waltman will wrestle AJ Styles. Sean Waltman will come out later again. To, to... So many in-ring promos. I think the problem is less the in-ring promos than it's in-ring promos from people you've already seen multiple times on these shows. Because, like, to be fair, the one good one was the Jerry Lynn one because mm. he hadn't been on a show from
3: the week before or that week.
2: Uh, yeah, it's just, it's weird that they're like they're, at least one of these shows has one person who's just all over them in a way that you get sick of them.
3: I don't know, and I wonder whose call that was.
2: You're picking sides as well? You're choosing between Russo and, and Jerry Jarrett?
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm siding with Vince Russo.
2: I believe we have established canon that all the bad ideas are Russo's and yes. the good ones are Jerry Jarrett's. Even canon. after
3: Jerry leaves, I'm going to continue with that theme.
2: Other things in the X-Division, we had Amazing Red win a couple matches and then get a great X-Division title match against AJ Styles in the last show of the month.
3: This might be my favourite pure match so far. Because
2: mm. it's AJ being Power Junior, Red being like the plucky underdog babyface, which is the role he lives for. Great match. Great, great match on the October 30th show. Great
3: um, in-match storytelling, too, throughout it. Yeah, it's definitely a, a highly recommended one.
2: And like for most of TNA history, AJ has weirdly been kind of a heel. But it's been kind of confusing because he started as like this pure baby face who's like the face of the company, and then very quickly, weirdly, became a heel for some reason.
3: But he's so great though. I love his character at the moment as weird asshole. Yeah, I was gonna say I do think by the end of October he's worked it out. Well, um, well surprisingly, Mortimer Plumtree has been like kind of a tremendous addition to the character. <laughs>
2: Yeah, because that's another reoccurring story through the month where Mortimer Plumtree is recruiting X Division wrestlers. He first recruits A Steel and realizes realizes he's probably going to get nowhere with A Steel, so he also recruits AJ Styles.
3: Mm. To be fair, the week that he recruited A uh, A Steel for two hundred fifty thousand dollar signing bonus, um, A Steel had a good week. Yeah, he's like, oh, that's the guy. Let's back this. Oh no, <laughs> isn't that just a funny representation of like the whole TNA choice to like, hey, we had Punk and A Steel, <laughs> who are we mm. gonna bring give a singles push to? a steal the other guy let's not put him on tv again
2: he does come back
3: eventually
2: See so, uh this the aj you see in this red match i think is the aj like that has finally worked out how to both be and wrestle as a heel
3: mm. just be mean it's... and fuck people
2: up for real <laughs> yeah just do like cool brain busters red will take him do we have any anything else in the x division this month there's like kid cash is there
3: yeah kid cash is just killing it
2: like he normally does Having good matches, we get a Shark Boy match, which mm-hmm. I'm always was Shark Boy was over a shit because he's freaking Shark Boy. You just look at the dudes; it's like, yeah, I'm gonna root for the Shark Boy. He's a man in a shark costume. What more do you want in life? The the heel section was in full full force now. Yeah, there was there wasn't a ton of Chad on these shows. We were debating whether or not some people were Chad.
3: I I, I stand by that uh, that wasn't Chad on the last show. So mm. Chad was he was there at the start of the month because there was a www.teenchad.com sign. But uh, Chad, we're out there. Come back, Chad.
2: Maybe he moved to the heel section. Oh, I hope not. That would break my heart. He is hashtag heel. Uh, He's to- the original
3: Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> there were some great signs, of course, that we saw throughout uh,
2: this month. Oh yeah, on 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 the like the the category of compromising to a permanent <laughs>
3: Yes. Here we go. We had uh, Saddam fears the truth, mm-hmm. and the old ti- old time sign. Totally nuke
2: Al Qaeda. It's a sign, all right? That's a, definitely a sign that was on the show. <laughs> That's like some peak Attitude Era sign shit right there. These are weird signs just to be in October. Because like, the US didn't invade Iraq until I think it was early 2003, wasn't it?
3: Oh, well, clearly they yeah.
2: heard Dixie <laughs> <laughs> with a, her award-winning
3: yeah. announcement earlier on in the, the month.
2: Yeah, it's a, a strange one. That there's weirdly so many. I guess it's the cultural consciousness of the time. But the, like, there wasn't a bunch of random Al Qaeda signs in the, the shows before this, and now there are. The Asylum standing up what they believe in. There's also some very bad homophobic signs about Bruce, but we won't talk about those.
3: I don't want to. I don't hear anything disparaging about Bruce ever. There was some
2: homophobic chants toward Bruce as well, but we won't talk about those. T- tisk tisk. Uh, Well moving to the heavyweight division I suppose the big thing in the heavyweight division throughout the month was the debut of Kurt Hennig Now that guy Because Scott Hall missed a bunch of these shows because he had personal issues at home (laughs) which are varied Uh, According to Jerry's book he was having issues with custody of his children but when you see when Scott Hall does show up on these shows on the October 23rd show he he doesn't seem like the same razor sharp Scott Hall that he was at the early days of TNA Which is funny because it's only been like a few months yeah, like, he's slurring his words in his promo. He looks just out of it.
3: Yeah, and he, he looks he looks worse, too, like, physically.
2: Yeah, and it's weird. Like, he still actually has a pretty good match with Ron Killings mm. for a guy who does not look entirely there anymore. And it's a shame because, like, we saw the side of Scott Hall that everyone always wants to see, you know, the guy who is, like, a truly great wrestler, a much better wrestler than the vast majority of other wrestlers. And then we saw the other side of Scott Hall. Yes, the side of Scott Hall that his demons are perhaps catching up with him again. But yeah, you got Kurt Hennig, who's um, in a weird place in his life. Kurt Hennig cuts a promo like uh, on the, I believe it's the the October sixteenth show. He cuts a promo where he does the "I'm the guy who took down Brock Lesnar at thirty five thousand feet" line, and it's actually quite cool because like, why not do those shoot promos on these shows? I don't care. Unlike the AEW Twitter account we mentioned earlier, <laughs> I'm fine with taking shots at other companies.
3: Uh, these are the, the seven reasons TNA sucks. Too many shots at WWE.
2: <laughs> Kurt Hennig coming out because like this is October 2002. Kurt Hennig passes away in February 2003, and like when you see him on these shows and when you look at him and you can see how like puffy his face is and how uh, again similar to Scott Hall. He's not as bad as Scott Hall, but he does he just he just doesn't look entirely well here, does he?
3: Mm. He looks he looks a little rough
2: and it, it's nice to have the star power because I think the show needs it and it, it's nice to have a little month where he has a couple title matches against Rocket. neither of them are very good at all they're actually quite bad but mm. I think that's the saddest thing about watching him in this era like anything after like the end of his peak in the WF because you watch him during his peak and he is like legitimately one of the best wrestlers of all time like he does that bumping and feeding heel better than I think literally anybody else ever has so when you watch him in these this era where he's he's basically doing nothing <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's not even that like he's bad. It's not even that like he's falling over the place. He just is. Nothing happens in his matches. So. They're just kind of boring. Yeah. They're just. It's just boring matches where nothing happens. And. But uh, he's a welcome bit of star power while he's here.
3: Yeah. He has a cool. Uh, oh, that's one thing we can mention that we haven't brought up yet. There's a, a series of really cool Mike Tane sit downs uh, this month.
2: Yeah, it's the, their new format where he has a sit down interview with Scott Hall. He has a sit down interview with Sean Waltman. He has a sit down interview with Kurt Hennig, and it's usually like, "Hey, let's go over the past. Let's talk about your narrative, your story. Let's sit weirdly close to each other." In the case of the Sean Waltman one, <laughs> they're, 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 like he's literally sitting on top of Sean Waltman.
3: <laughs> yeah, he did love Sean Waltman.
2: But yeah, the, those promos with McIntyre—they're—they're they're good ideas. They're always what, like I think everyone says, like AEW should be doing with Jim Ross. So those kind of like sit-down interviews that add depth to the characters and use the the gravitas of the likes of McIntyre or the likes of Jim Ross to 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 elevate the stories and elevate the wrestlers. It works. Yeah, hundred percent. As we go through, what else happened in the heavyweight division? Killings was mostly tied up with Mister Perfect, but there was the reoccurring Mr. Wrestling Three story, Liam. Um, this is my description of this. <clears throat> Rehashing
3: the bullet Bob stuff with a heel clansman.
2: If you remember, at the end of September, we mentioned that Vince Russo pitched a KKK story with Ron Killings.
3: Oh, I forgot that this thing was actually supposed to be a Klansman. I just thought it was a dude that looked like a Klansman.
2: <laughs> and there's a quote in the PW Torch at the start of the month after the October 2 debut and Mr. Wrestling 2 debuts. The verbiage scripted by Vince Russo regarding the racist aspects of the opening show on October 2 was toned down considerably once Jerry Jarrett and the wrestlers involved got through with it. Quite a bit would have to be rewritten anyway, because Russo originally scripted the opening of a promo to involve Paul, who was not available. Ron Killings is said to be resigned to having to do the racist storyline, even though he's not crazy about it. Also the fact that, like, every single fucking story he's done so far has had some sort of racial overtone or undertone. Even when he weirdly turned babyface for a few weeks and then turned heel again. Well, that doesn't count because everyone does that shit. He doesn't feel he is the seniority to speak up against it. There was a lot of disgust expressed in many circles that TNA officials tried to say with a straight face that the person attacking killings wearing all white wasn't meant to have KKK undertones. And we know from Jerry's book... Vince Russo expressly pitched a KKK story. The defense they had for the angle repeated to several people was, just wait until you've, it plays out before... I hate
3: this. It. I hate this attitude of just wait till it plays out. Like, yep. just no. Like, like, I get, like, you know, make it... You can do nuance, but Jesus Christ, not in this particular case, but also it's like a lot of time you have to start... You can't start off fucking badly and then go wait till it plays out start up strong and go all right let's see how it goes like ugh, it's frustrating
2: but yeah for them to do something again if you remember from jerry's book he expressly pitched a kkk story and then had a man in all white jump wrong killings mm. now you can deny all you want that this is the man who's getting the ear of, of panda energy
3: old grand wrestling three over here
2: oh dear 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 yeah so most of the title matches ended with mr wrestling 3 interfering in some way it wasn't particularly good who cares but that's the story they're telling through the month they didn't do the reveal until the following month who could it be well it's steve armstrong if you're wondering who's playing it which by the way is the same person who played the bullet before it was revealed to be PG james
3: gosh I just wonder who it's going to be revealed as.
2: Yeah, we'll never know. Mm. I mean, we will when we we'll watch the show. Well, yes, it'll, I think that's November. If the, Yeah, surely. They don't stretch it out for a whole other month. If they did, that would be madness. Yeah, that would be madness. <laughs> There's many things of madness. You had the Hermes Sadler return. He had a match with Fuck BG off. James against Jart and Bruce. You don't want to talk about Hermy.
3: He's been really mean to Bruce. I don't like it.
2: There is some transphobia and gay panic going on with Bruce again this month. But, like, extra...
3: There's, some, uh, there's just some lines, like, I know I shouldn't get irked by it, but some of these lines, you just, you can't help but go, ugh.
2: Even, like, the, like BG says at one stage, I can't remember the exact line, but it's something to the effect of, I knew you weren't all man, Bruce, but I didn't know you weren't either, Jeff. And I'm like, fuck off. Mm. And, and, like, it's weird, because, like, I think September, the Bruce segments still had some gay panic, but it wasn't as bad. Yeah, they
3: toned it down, I think they toned it down a ton when he was doing the, like, wrestling women stuff. Mm. It's as soon as he's back into a feud with fucking dudes <laughs> and Hermie fucking you really hate
2: Herbie Sadler, <laughs> he's
3: awful, man,
2: he is, but like who cares
3: i I do when I have to watch him on my screen. That's
2: true. <laughs> Bruce also spins off into a feud with the Elvises, or oh, well, the remaining Elvis, I guess it's just Jorge <laughs> the Elvis. And he has Priscilla. There's, there's a fun note when Priscilla debuts. Priscilla is Joni, the woman Jerry Lawler has been dating since he and Stacy separated. Lawler has written recent website updates lamenting the end of his relationship with Carter, which must be thrilling for Joni. That note is on October 16th. Then there's a note after the October 30th show. The woman who plays Priscilla is no longer with Jerry Lawler. <laughs> the two broke up before she started the new role. So, <laughs> there you go
3: we also got the debut of a whole new lighting rig I just want to mention it because it made the show look oh we could talk about the whole new the asylum updates
2: I'll start with the lighting rig. That that was actually actively a move by Panda. They invested another 10k into the production values of the show. It was in Jerry's book on October 4th. Very noticeable. Today it was spent working on the deal with Panda. We had conversations with Dixie concerning the new budget. Panda has already decided to upgrade the lights and production truck at the events. Bob Carter wants us to spend more money on the, the, the TNA girls. Bob loves the TNA girls. Yeah,
3: I he does. Me and Bob, we're just there for lollipop. <laughs> Candy? Lollipop? Whatever her name was. Her, like, her name was Lollipop because she had the lollipop.
2: Yeah, you seem to forget Lollipop's I, uh, name, even though she is your favorite. Woman I think it's because
3: her name should be candy.
2: <laughs> Why? Why should her name be candy? I don't know. I think Lollipop is just it's wordy. <laughs> her name is Lollipop because she eats a lollipop while she does her dancing. She does not eat candy. Me and Bob, big
3: Lollipop fan.
2: So yes, uh, what else did you want to mention? The new seating that makes the the arena look a lot bigger. Yeah, and they opened up the the top tier so that they have more people there, which is is fine. because if you look at the attendance for these shows, uh, October 2 has 700 people, October 9 has a sellout of 1,400, which we'll talk about why in a moment. October 16 has 450, October 23 has 850, and October 30 has 500 people. But as you mentioned, it looks much better just with the layout of the building.
3: Yeah. And there's a whole new section for people to do jumps off now.
2: Oh, yeah, which is ideal. You want more freaking things for people to jump off. And so then Slash took advantage. Slash was like, I'm going to be the first guy to do it. He is the first person to dive out of the stands in the history of TNA. So well done, Slash. His influence. As we mentioned, uh, the October 9th show was a sellout for, not because they were super into the unannounced ladder match main event, but Chris Rock was there, Liam. Yeah,
3: and he had one of the best uh, celebrity angles, run-ins, whatever promos ever, because he got in and he got out. <laughs>
2: yeah he's like Goldilocks is in the ring and she's like welcome everybody Chris Rock Mike A goes into full professor mode once again <laughs> giving you like the full detailed history of Chris Rock's career you should have done a sit down with Chris Rock he's like Eddie Murphy discovered him in a comedy club and then he went on to have this astounding success it's like there you go he comes out he's like N.W.A.T.N.A. is the best wrestling in the world and then he leaves yeah that's it <laughs> he actually if you look at him when when goldilocks is like oh thanks for coming chris you can go now chris rock almost looks confused like oh that's it oh, he,
3: he looks very confused to have been there but uh he got in he got out and that's all that matters
2: he did, well, like he seemed enthusiastic he seemed happy to be there but like when the, the segment was cut it's just like oh wait i'm i'm literally here 40 seconds okay
3: he's like all right i'll do it so why was chris rock here
2: Chris Rock was here filming uh, a scenes for his movie, which I realize I did not put the name of the movie in the notes. <laughs> Damn it, it's um, Head of State, I think, is the name of the movie. 2003 movie, it wasn't released until next year. We filmed um scenes for that movie. And yeah, I meant to watch the movie Should we this watch week.
3: the movie, do a watch-along for?
2: Uh, I'm not sure if Could we do a watch-along. Do you want to do a review of Head of State for the Patreon? yeah sure because I actually meant to watch it I started downloading it this week but I meant to watch it and then I forgot I forgot to actually watch the movie <laughs> so yeah they do a scene with uh, JB yeah we'll we'll do a uh, we'll do a review of that for the Patreon so cool. we'll do that for the $5 tier on the Patreon sometime over the next week or uh, a couple of weeks so if you'd like to hear us review Chris Rock's uh, head of state featuring TNA you can subscribe at patreon.com slash also coming soon uh, watch along of mania yeah, we're doing uh, the 2010 WrestleMania as well, so they're, they're, it's going to be our biggest Patreon in a couple of weeks in terms of content in a while. So you mm. can look forward to that. Yeah, Chris Rock, Chris Rock, <laughs> legitimate A list guy. Yeah, it's so rare that you get like legit A list real celebrities that aren't Screech on wrestling television shows, and here he is, just Chris Rock. Oh, you, I thought you were all about Screech. I know who he is, unlike you. Not familiar. You've never heard of Scratch. But yeah, Chris Rock is there and he doesn't do much. Gets in and out, says TNA is great. What more do you want?
3: We should, um, add the Chris Rock
2: line to the intro from now on. <laughs> the NWO TNA is the best wrestling in the world.
3: Yeah, can we can we add that to the end of
2: it? <laughs> Just say yes. We'll do it for this week, but not no, forever.
3: No, I want it forever. I want, I want like, <laughs> our little intro song then. The NWO TNA is the best wrestling company in the world. And it fades out and then we come in. All right. Yeah. Um,
2: I'm being bullied. You're welcome, fans. <laughs> all right, what else we got this month? we covered X Division, we've covered Heavyweight Division. Ken Anderson did a dark match before the October 23 show.
3: Mm. Cool. I'm sure.
2: Very pleased about that.
3: Yep. I, I assume we've been waiting for the, the main story now.
2: <sighs> i put it off long enough. Liam, talk about Brian Lawler.
3: Brian Lawler apparently <laughs> decided to put it all together in October and become the best <laughs> character on the show. I don't know how he did this, but, um, so like, okay, the first, first four shows, who really gives a shit, right? Doesn't matter. He's having pretty, he's actually, I think he's improved in ring. I think he's, uh, found his character a lot better now. Uh, just the fact that like he was ever meant to be taken seriously is hilarious because he's clearly like just a goofball and it works so well, but we end, we ended, we
2: put it all together with the best
3: angle in the NWA TNA history.
2: I feel like we have to talk about the October 23 one to set the table.
3: Oh, set the table then.
2: So uh, on October 23, there, there's a segment where Brian Lawler is wrestling BG James, having their match. Then Sixpock comes <laughs> out on the ramp with with his girlfriend April and just starts furiously making out with her.
3: Yeah, and she um she didn't want to.
2: Yeah, she says that she she had nothing to do with that. She had no part in that. It was all Sixpack. Uh, Brian Lawler's facial expressions as that is happening <laughs> as as as, as Sixpack is making out with April are absolutely tremendous.
3: It caused him physical pain.
2: His his life is just melting before his eyes as as his girlfriend is making out with his mortal enemy on the stage and he's and he literally he just falls off the top rope. He is so upset at this. Mm. that he's pinned by BG. Now, th- there is another part of that where he's like, he's been he's been consoled by the referee. <laughs> he's not even mad about it. He's just devastated. Yeah, by the
3: way, this ref's a fucking dickhead. All right, he's making is fun it? of my man who's gone through some real emotional turmoil right now. And he's like, oh, <laughs> what are you doing? Crying? Oh, you're crying because your girlfriend kissed your mortal enemy on TV? Ooh, why would you cry about that? It's like, yeah, all right, dickhead.
2: So, yeah, later in the show, uh, Sean Waltman comes out and he's just like, uh, you know... Oh, know." before that, we have, we have um... Oh, no, you're right, you're right, sorry, I thought I got them mixed up because there's so many walking out
3: talking segments.
2: <laughs> yeah, because cause, Watman has a match with Styles and then comes mm-hmm. out later again, yeah. and then April is like, oh, Brian, I had nothing to do with it, and Brian is like, oh, oh, okay, I'm no, fine but, with that, yeah. Before, okay.
3: that, before that happens, Brian comes out and he's like, hey, man, uh, I don't blame you, Six Park, like, I'm done with her, I'm gonna move on, she's not, she's obviously not the one until she runs out and, uh says that says oh it was all six-pack I did it and to which 6 goes in a hilarious response goes I can't hear what she's saying is <laughs> what are you saying
2: there's also another great six-pack line in this, in this promo where the crowd is chanting something at him he's chanting you suck or something or you can't wrestle and he's like I know some of you hate me it's fine
3: uh, pessimistic six-pack has been such a joy
2: he's just like I understand that some people have an irrational hatred of me and that's okay I've accepted it mm, yeah so then after, yes, after Brian and April get back together, Brian is perfectly happy to accept this april explanation. You may now talk about the segment from October 30th.
3: So my uh, my man, Big Brian Lawler, is coming out at this point, mm-hmm. uh, accompanied by, um, what's her actual name? It's April, right?
2: It's April. We did not remember for April's name.
3: Oh, I did remember. <laughs> that was clarifying.
2: Well, fine.
3: <laughs> they come out together, and there was this fan, and uh, you can hear it in the live reaction, um, pushes him? And I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's pretty dangerous, you know. You do that, he's, he's got, he's got, he's got full right to, to hit you, you know." Uh, he pushes him again, to which <laughs> Brian Lawler shoot punches this dude in the face, exploding his nose. And my reaction <laughs> to this was one of the most joyful moments of my entire life, <laughs> because hey, I did not expect this. Is one of the best, uh, like wrestler beats up a plant in the in the crowd segments I've ever seen in my life. Because I, I didn't for a second think it was a plant. And then, when the punch happened, it was a real punch. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Which, we get the great visual of this fan, like, pissing blood out of his nose. And also, Brian Lawler's, like, knuckles covered in the blood <laughs> of this fan. <band.
2: laughs> you cannot do justice just how much Brian Lawler made this man bleed with a mm. shoot punch. He punched him right in the nose.
3: Yeah. Uh, just a, a perfect angle. Like, if this was TW, 100.
2: I love, like, that was the angle as well. It's like, they're like, we can't let you talk after that. Get out of here.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's like, the, it, 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 Brian Lula rules now.
2: <laughs> he's, and now he's a badass. He's just punching out fans.
3: Yeah, but he's also a dope while he's doing it. It's great. We also had the, the segment with April and him backstage where April's giving him the Maurice fuck guys, Oh, that's just, that's only a reference that the, the Patreon guys will get. Given the Maurice fuck guys to And then as Lula goes in to kiss her, she's like,
2: <laughs> She's literally pulling her head in any direction to keep it away from Brian Lola's mouth.
3: Yeah. This is also a bigger, just to briefly divert from Brian Lola, if we must, uh, a big Goldilocks uh, month as well. She was all over these shows.
2: Because, like, she's every backstage interview, and there are a lot of them. Yeah. She doesn't get much abuse this month, though, to be fair. She,
3: now nah, she gets real smelt up by Sunny Siaki.
2: Yeah, Siaki creeps on her after talking to her about consent, like, a month ago. I know. A double standard. Typical man. It's, oh, God, it is typical man No, yeah. <laughs> The worst thing is when you like start to make a joke about something, and then you realize no, it's not a joke. It's just life, it's just, and it's, it's, it's horrible. that's it is. Yeah. I think the only other big thing this month was the NWA title rule change, where Rob Armstrong comes out in the last show of the month and announces that from now on, titles can change hands on a DQ.
3: And I'm sure this will stay uh, relevant for the rest of TNA's history.
2: It actually what (laughs) that stays a rule in tna for the entirety of the the period where the nwa titles it 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 goes out the door when they replace them with the tna titles you got my hopes up there it's not it's it's a rule until like 2007 that's that's still
3: pretty impressive
2: i think there's times where they don't entirely obey it but like they do dq title changes up until the end of 2006 so that's pretty (laughs) you can look forward to those I was going to say, the only, like, other thing that we've uh, kind of
3: skipped over is, like, the Jeff Jarrett, BG James, Ron Killing stuff. But that's because it's boring. And there's not much of note to really say
2: about it. It's so boring. Like, Jarrett has a match against Kurt Hannega at the end of the month where he just beats living hell out of him and bloodies him. And you were looking forward to that match. Do-do- and it doesn't happen. So, yeah, we, we, we got kind of goofball Jeff Jarrett where he's wrestling Herbie Sadler. But then, you know, we come back to Stone Cold Jeff Jarrett.
3: When you hear the glass, that's your ass, you know? <laughs> Ha 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 Ain't I <our> great? <laughs> slap nuts.
2: 316. You know, all, all
3: of his famous things. Yeah,
2: I think that's pretty much October done.
3: Yeah, oh! Well, we can't end it without addressing uh, the month of October, of course. The cosplay...
2: Oh, there was, so yes, there was, there was a bunch of fans in the crowd who were right in the front row, right uh, next to the ramp, who were cosplaying as... I'll, I'll pull a, a screenshot of this for the Twitter, and I might throw it in the show notes as well. Uh, they were cosplaying as Mortimer Plumtree. Tremendous cosplay. Yep. Bruce, tremendous cosplay. And then a pretty good AJ. And
3: the pose, too. That's, like, the next thing for Bruce.
2: And even he had the Mortimer Plumtree pose down as well. He was doing, like, the chin-scratching thing Mortimer Plumtree does.
3: The AJ cosplay was good. It's just a very
2: easy cosplay to do. It's just a t-shirt and a headband.
3: Mm. He had the haircut, though, so and, I'll, and he had the necklace, so I will give him... At least he um, did the details.
2: Yeah, so there were some absolutely top-notch cosplays on these shows. Fair play to fans who put in that kind of effort.
3: Mm. It's the best part what about like WWE going to Japan. Hmm. See all the great cosplay from it.
2: I think this is a better format for covering these shows instead of being like, what do I have to say about this Maximos against Flying Elvis' match? It was actually pretty good. But, <laughs> you know, the inconsequential stuff, you don't want to talk about Sonny Siaki against David Young. I have nothing to say about that match. So I think talking about it about, in, in broad strokes and covering the big points and covering the broader narratives... And the interesting stuff is a little smoother than getting bogged down in the details of matches you probably have no interest in hearing about. But if you if you hated it, let us know uh, on T- uh, Twitter at TNA History Pod on the Voices of the Wrestling Discord. You can hit us up there. We're usually hanging around the "You've Got to Be Kidding Me" channel there. Or if you're one of our patrons, let us know on Patreon.
3: So um, when David Young returned to TNA, I took uh, hum- <laughs> umbrage with uh, Mike Tine's, uh statement that uh. He said at one point that David Young uh, used to be a staple when he was actually, he's more consistent now.
2: <laughs> yeah, he was on like two shows.
3: Yeah, I think he was on three this time, so he's technically more consistent now than he was then.
2: So David Young is now a staple of t Wrestling. mm I like the way I'm like, we have nothing to say about David Young. I'm like, no, you're like, no, I do have something to say about David Young.
3: Yeah. Let me just check my notes to make sure we got through
2: everything. Feels like a big transition month. That's a good point to end it right. It does feel like a pretty, I think it's similar enough to September in that it it does feel like this is a coherent month of wrestling where like they're telling their coherent stories that are consistent from month to month. And Scott Hall is the only one who's kind of disappearing due to reasons. And for the most part, it's just like, again, they have their consistent roster and they're they're kind of treading water at the moment because they're still waiting for the panda deal to go through, and as we mentioned, power struggle. But yeah, it's it's it, it's, it feels like they have a coherent, consistent identity now.
3: Yeah, and, and um, I think a lot of that comes to them spotlighting the X division so heavily this month.
2: Mm. And also, they had match graphics which were cool. Oh, they were dope. Yeah, they had the motion graphics where people did poses and turned around.
3: We should always do motion graphics. They're so much cooler.
2: It's funny, because, like, wrestling is such a low bar to please fans. Like, all WWE had to do was, like, motion graphics at WrestleMania and people lost their shit. <laughs> it's like, why doesn't wrestling just always do this?
3: Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm just looking to see if I had any more funny notes. I just had one that says, desperate for anti-woman sentiment. <laughs> which
2: you are a... always desperate for no, anti-woman No, no! You just want women to be degraded and demeaned at all times. Listen, if you're going to cast me as a Nazi, I'm going to cast you as a sexist. <laughs>
3: I'd rather be a sexist than a Nazi.
2: That's true. But still, I'm pretty sure sexism comes inherently with being a Nazi, but still. Mm. So that is the month of October 2002. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at TNA History Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Garrett Kidd, and You can follow Liam on Twitter at The TheGleetMuda. You can support us on Patreon if you like the show where you'll get our second show covering the 2010 Monday Night Wars. Boom. You'll get watch-alongs of uh, a pay-per-view per episode boom. of the podcast you'll get written reviews which i'm kind of behind on but boom. i will catch up on over the next two weeks you'll get our show notes you'll get boom. our star ratings boom. so that's all there on patreon three tiers one dollar five dollar ten dollars and as we mentioned we'll do a a review of uh, chris rocks head of state over boom. the next two weeks and we'll also be having a watch along with wrestlemania boom, boom, 2010 boom, boom, which is boom,
3: boom, 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 boom.
2: that's WrestleMania 26 i believe So you can look forward to all of that on our Patreon at patreon.com slash kiddingme. We'll be back in two weeks, covering November 2002, which is the month where Pando officially buys TNA spoilers. But that's what you can look forward to then. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye. Boom! (laughs) It's my thing now. You're doing booms